0: Okay, good. So, Chris, I would love to welcome you to the show. I really appreciate you joining me today. And I honestly want to take as much value as possible and as much knowledge as possible from you to the audience. So please introduce yourself, who you are, what do you do, and how do you do it? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris Hughes. I'm an Austin, Texas-based content strategy
1: consultant. Uh, I work on Content strategy and content marketing with solopreneurs, with small businesses, with startup founders, to really help them establish content as a part of their marketing mix to lower customer acquisition costs and win back some simplicity in their business and really get that org- organic traffic engine rolling as part of what they do uh, marketing wise and work with companies of all shapes and sizes. Um, my background is in sports writing. I bought or I created and sold some sports blogs, worked for another network and then worked for a network here in Austin that I helped them uh, like an outdoor sports network, helped them grow to the point where they were acquired recently uh, by Publishers Clearinghouse here in the US and uh, had the opportunity to, to be a part of that exit. So that was a pretty cool experience to see you know, acquisitions from different levels and that's really informed my career. And, and now I'm working with business owners uh, you know, from one person all the way through to, to small companies with like, you know, 10 to 15 employees. And uh, also, I'm working on the Leapfrog Collective, uh, which is a membership community for college students and emerging professionals on personal branding and and really taking control of your career that I'm going to kick off in 21.
0: I really love that. I really love that you touched on Um, the difference between working with uh, solopreneurs and small businesses compared to working with already established business or big corporations in in the United States. And I would love to know your perspective on that. How was the transition? Because there is a huge difference between working with already established companies, big companies with hundreds of employees and working with, you know, solopreneurs, How, how that transitions work for you? Sure. I worked in the corporate world
1: for about seven years and learned a lot from that. And that experience was very different because it was more on the writing side and the research side of things. And really, my content career has been with startups and smaller businesses. I love the energy and the impact of those environments. Um, You know, with one company, I was like the seventh employee, helped them build their content and, uh, you know, their network up from that point and coming in at that entry With wide open media group here that was acquired recently i was like the sixth employee and by the time we finished we had like 30. Uh, so i really enjoy that growth and i learned a lot by being in the trenches and that trial by fire where you've got no choice but to figure it out and to teach yourself and learn everything you need to learn to be effective and i think that was really valuable uh, to kind of learn that way uh, because it's helped me be more proactive and be able to pass that knowledge on to the clients i work with now um, I like that startup aspect and that smaller business aspect from being an employee's point of view that I did really working for larger corporations because I felt like I learned more by doing. Um, there wasn't as much separation between the end result and the work. And that's why I really enjoyed about, you know, working for smaller companies.
0: Yeah, I really love that. And I really love the, that you touched on the difference or the the, the benefits of working with small small, medium, or small or medium-sized business, especially startups, because... Before uh, starting my agency too, I used to work with uh, a local startup in Tunisia and it was really mind-shifting and uh, really exciting experience being able to do different uh, different aspects of the business or touching on different aspects of the business from marketing to to product development to eventually consulting to trying like you are doing everything. (laughs) Sure you can yeah you are touching on everything every aspect of uh, of the business in order to to move the needle forward or to 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 grow the business etc right. so yeah. that's a really interesting ecosystem uh, i haven't i haven't worked with an already established of the corporate world but it's it's a really interesting ecosystem and i'm really interested in, in that too so um, chris you are as well a as marketing leader you worked with as you mentioned you worked with a multi-million and award-winning companies and throughout your career and now you started your own business leapfrog um leapfrog collective and you also have your own consultancy business and uh, i would love to know how was the transition from being you know from working nine to five in a corporate job to, to like owning your business and owning the different as and managing because at the end of the day it's not it, there is differences and there is a life it's a life-changing decision right because you have been working on certain st- certain tasks and now you are managing all, everything right so yeah. how was that transition for you was it really smooth and easy transition in terms of the fa- building the foundation and moving moving the needle forward and making the business take off And how was that for you?
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think it was triggered, ironically, just before the start of COVID and like COVID setting in. so for background, I was laid off back last November uh, from a company here in Austin that I worked for for like five months where there just really wasn't a very good match between what they were looking for and the speed of results that they wanted and what I could reasonably deliver with what they were providing me to work with. And that was like the light bulb going off for me, like, ah, you know, I'm just tired of spinning my wheels and in, in kind of corporate environments and I want to get to the point where I can flip this and work with people and help them grow. And so I took on a couple of foundational contracts with companies here in Austin. I was working like 10, 15 hours a week. I was lucky enough to grab those like in early March, like just before the virus pretty much really started to take hold here in the States. And was working with them uh, over the course of the summer and into the early falls, company called Gemba that's here. It's an e-commerce company and quick start. It's like a, an education company, like an I- IT education company. And so as I was working for them, I'm thinking, okay, I can really now that I have the hours back and I'm not devoting 40 hours a week to the company, I have these hours for myself to really build you know, my ideas around what I want to do to consult. So I started to build my website, I started a guest blog. I've been really active on LinkedIn the last six months. And by the way, I would highly recommend that to anybody that's thinking about starting their own business and taking that leap. There's no better place to gain traction. And that's where a lot of my tractions come from. And at the same time, I was seeing these holes in watching how college students and, and younger professionals were interacting on LinkedIn and the things they were saying and saw the opportunity there at, with LoopFrog Collective. So now, like my consulting business has become the primary project and Collective Collective's kind of a side project and those two are working uh, in tandem. So that's that's been the evolution like over the last probably nine to 10 months.
0: Mm-hmm. I really love that. And I think that I, I would love to emphasize on your idea that LinkedIn is a really great place to start networking and bring more business in. Whatever your business is, whether you are in marketing, sales, lead generation, it doesn't really matter. Your audience is on LinkedIn and yeah. it's really underpriced and undervalued attention. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we are all striving for attention, right? <laughs> and LinkedIn has been really a game changer for me. I was working. Uh, I I also started my agency, by the way, 10 months ago during, <laughs> when when the COVID like, yeah. uh, took off, right? And it's it's been quite a journey. I started working with, you know, doing marketing, doing like small tasks, marketing tasks for restaurants and local businesses. And like it really to when the coronavirus took off like the, and especially with the breakdown and, and all that kind of stuff the business went down yeah and yeah so I shifted my whole business model and my whole audience uh, targeted um audience to e-commerce I worked with multiple e-commerce businesses too and like this year like regarding all, all the 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 disasters that happened in this year, like it was a real bless for e-commerce businesses. E-commerce has been booming since the COVID-19 pick up and it's still doing. Uh, Absolutely. Like, most people, like most people in marketing and especially in e-commerce call it the biggest year for e-commerce
1: ever. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a really been an interesting side effect. I'm doing some writing for uh, a couple of e-commerce companies as well. You know, I still write some, on the side um, and writing for a company in, in India that came to me and approached me wanting to write some really long form articles because they saw some opportunities from the market. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, absolutely e-commerce has been crazy growth and, and really quick growth. And I think IT related, IT educational companies and educational companies are doing mm-hmm. really well right now too because everybody's taking that time that they have to pivot and, uh, and learn and get ready. Uh, for what happens when we come out on the backside of all this, which will happen
0: eventually. (laughs) I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. So you you told me that most of your business is coming or most of the traction you you are having is coming from LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. So a great question that I always ask people that I connect with on LinkedIn or bring them on the show is like, everyone is on LinkedIn today even if it's it's not as saturated as other social media platforms, but everyone is on LinkedIn yet, right? Everyone is creating content. Everyone is pushing their podcast. Everyone is creating events. So how as an entrepreneur or as a business owner or as a content strategist, do you differentiate yourself from your competition or from other people within your industry and bring more attention to yourself? and? you know, separate yourself from the crowd. Sure. I think it's interesting as people that are active
1: on LinkedIn, like you and I, it seems like there's a lot of people that's, that are active, but when you go and look right. at numbers, there's really only like one or 2% of all LinkedIn users are actively creating content. So wow. there's not that many people that are actually creating. It just seems that way when you are active because you're seeing yeah, other people that are right. active. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there, because of that, there's still a big opportunity, but I think it comes down to consistency. Um, I try to post every day, something, maybe not on Saturdays, but I have my patterns of how I post and it's a mix of content. I think doing a mixture of like video content, written content, using things like carousels and slide decks that really hold readers attention, all that helps you. And obviously the content you create is valuable, but more so it's being engaging and engaging with other people. So the number one bit of advice I have for anybody is you know post two or three items a week, but engage with people every single day. Go and leave valuable comments and threads. Uh, really interact with people you want to get to know and you want to see on your feed more often. Because the more you engage with another people, with other people, the more that engagement comes back. It's very reciprocal. You know, it's a difference between being a megaphone, which is that person on LinkedIn or that person on Twitter that has thousands and thousands of followers, um, but isn't interacting with anybody. They're just yelling at everybody and being a supporter and really being a community builder where you're out there and you're, you're actively, you know, supporting people, you're starting conversations. And I think when that happens, the organic attention comes to you. I don't go and hard sell and DM people. Uh, That's just not my style. The business I've gotten have been from people coming to me and saying, I've been following your content for a while. Let's talk about what you do and here's what I need and conversations have started that way. So much prefer that approach. Um,
0: but yeah, I think it's about, about consistency and engagement, and, and just being yeah, really being love present. That. Mm-hmm. I really love that, and what another reason I think LinkedIn is a really great opportunity for any uh, anyone looking for attention or looking to grow their business right now is it's it's still. Like it's still a content value or content driven platform. It's not like Facebook where it's even within you, even your fo- Facebook page followers. If you, you own a business, when you post on Facebook, not even a small portion of your of your followers will see your post, Right. Mm-hmm. When but when doing that on LinkedIn, even a week later, your posts will still be on the feed. That's crazy. That doesn't yeah. happen on Facebook. Like right. People usually say that LinkedIn in 2020 is the same as Facebook in 20, 2012. And right. I find that really true because all the stats indicate that and everyone is like it's, it's, it's a value. It's a content driven platform. And I, I really I love that about LinkedIn.
1: Absolutely. Uh, It is. It's about the value of content and and being fully transparent and providing what you know. You hear this argument a lot. Well, if I'm giving everything away that I know on LinkedIn and I'm telling everybody what I know, how I do it, here's how to approach it, what value do they have in working with me? Well, (laughs) I don't really believe that because the more that you're offering, the more value you're offering, the more you're piquing people's interest at the end of the day you're the only one that can execute on what you know. And that's where the value in your business comes from. So I don't hesitate to tell everything I know and just put it out there and be fully transparent. I agree with shelf life. And that's really interesting. I experienced like the 2014, 15 Facebook where you could post an article, it goes viral you get thousands of visits on the article. And that those days were way gone (laughs) because they expect you to pay for any kind of reach now. Um, You know, I follow Meredith Howard on at LinkedIn, who's a local social media strategist here in Austin, and her, she's fantastic to follow. She actually posted earlier today about shelf life, and she mentioned that the average LinkedIn post gets like two to five days of reach, which, yeah, like you mentioned, like a week. Twitter posts are disposable in like 15 minutes. So you tweet something out, you better tweet something again Thirty minutes yeah. later, basically to maintain momentum. Yes. Uh, so the difference and just the balance between those two, and where they're similar, they're also very different. That's where a lot of the value lies in LinkedIn.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And so let's move. Let's move on with this conversation. So, Chris, I would love to start with the basics. So, uh, what is content marketing, in your opinion, and how do you view it, or how do you perceive it, and why should businesses care about it in 2021?
1: Yeah, I think at its core, it's about building trust and being the voice of your brand, right? And the way I look at it is if you do not have content, if you're not telling your story as a brand, then you're leaving that story and that perception up to your potential customers. You're allowing them to come up with who you are and and what you're about rather than saying, here's who we are and and what we're about. That's very dangerous. (laughs) From a business yeah. perspective, if you're letting your customers determine who you are, because if that uh-huh. determination makes them not align with your vision or what you sell or what you offer, they're never going to buy from you. If you tell them straightforward, here's who we are, and here's what we do and why it matters, then that relationship changes and, and moves in another direction. I, I think at its very core and most simplistic, it's about trust building and you can't build trust without telling your story. So that, that's the way I see it.
0: I really love that you touched on the trust point because it happened to me. So because you see a lot of businesses make the mistake uh, and I hold myself accountable for too. is a focus on focusing on sales or outreach or prospecting and totally neglecting the content creation or building that foundation to eventually build brand awareness or awareness about their business. And through content marketing eventually, right? And why I think that's a huge mistake businesses do, uh, because I was in the same exact position before. I, When I started my agency 10 months ago, um, I mainly focused on prospecting, outreach, and sales, and, you know, every single aspect of the business that, that has a direct impact on revenue, right? And I totally neglected building that foundation that will eventually build the brand awareness about my agency and show people who I am, what do I do and why they should do, should care about me. Right. Sure. Right. When it didn't work, I took a step back and I found out that at the end of the day, businesses, as you mentioned, businesses want to do with business with people who do not know or do not trust. Right. So building that foundation will eventually help you build trust and build awareness and show people uh, why they should do business with you and why sh- they should care about you, right? So um, my question to you is, what do you say to businesses who do that exact same mistake? And there's a ton of them today. Why, why they should care about mar- content marketing and why they shouldn't neglect it or how to implement? You also have a 120-day content strategy, right? Mm-hmm. How they Because at the end of the day, most of their excuses is we don't have cre- enough creativity or what we don't know what to post or right. we don't have time right. and i think that's it's mainly about creativity and they they don't have the vision to post or they, they don't even have the vision to know their business or they don't have enough details about their business but they justify it with we don't have enough time Yeah, right, sure. so right. <laughs> what do you think how do you think your your 120 day content strategy can help businesses today implement content marketing and and grow their business in 2021 and beyond?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I like to start off with everybody with a research project. So basically what I do is I ask, you know, give me your top four competitors. Give me what you would like to be ranking for keyword wise. What are your social followings like? What are your major pain points? Uh, Let me chew on that for a couple of days and I'll come back to you with the presentation of where I think your opportunities lie. And those opportunities are always very similar, right? Their competition, maybe one of their competitors just flat out isn't doing content or they're not doing it very well. So a lot of opportunity lies in them addressing those gaps. And you know, there's some quick wins that can be had there. Um, you know, Maybe they haven't really written their story out and the very first piece of content they should write is here's our story and why it matters. Um, but really it comes down to 30 minutes a day. And that's the other part of that strategy is I ask every business owner, can you dedicate 30 minutes a day to content? And their answer almost always 70% of the time is yes. And it may not be that they're the creator and they're the one actually doing execution, but it might be that they can partner with somebody where they can hand that off and delegate it. And that person's the executor, but that 30 minutes a day is there, especially if you're an obsessive time blocker and you, you know how to how to use your time. So it's about compounding returns. You're spending that 30 minutes a day, five days a week, for you know, four months, six months down the road, you're going to have created some impactful content that tells your story, that takes advantage of opportunities your competition's providing. And ultimately, four days down the road, you're gonna have some website traffic. You're gonna have that awareness that you didn't have before. It's a combination of, of blogging, of video creation, of guest blogging, which I'm a huge proponent of, of getting you know, these CEOs and, and business owners on podcasts because I mean, you can get as many links now pretty much as you can on a podcast as you used to be able to get from guest posts. And it's arguably less time intensive. So you do, you know, blog for 30 days, you do that mix for 60 days, you know, 90 to 120 days, you come back and revisit and look at your traffic, you know who your audience is. And then at like month four or five, you kick off your social media campaigns to augment the traffic that you've got rolling in. And then it's a hybrid strategy from that point forward. So That's the way that I explain it and lay it out. And I think if you can break it down into bits and pieces and manageable tasks, like if you tell somebody, I'm going to come help you implement a content strategy, they're like, oh my God, that sounds crazy. Where am I going to have the time or the resources for that? If you tell them, do you have 30 minutes a day? Do you have four months to give me? And we'll work together and things will change. I think a light bulb goes off a lot of times and they see that that time commitment isn't isn't as dramatic as it might appear on the surface and, and they can work with
0: that. Yeah, it's all about breaking it down, breaking it down into steps because I, when 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 most businesses think about content marketing or sitting on, on a table or sitting on their laptop and, and strategy, making a strategy to post content on social media, I think it's more easier to work with a solopreneur or with someone who has a, or an, or an online business rather than a local business because... Mm-hmm. Like they, most of the time, they don't even believe that that post on Link, uh, on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest will bring people in or right. will have a return on investment. And we will sure. go through that later on, right? right. But when yeah. it comes to online businesses, yeah. uh-huh, no, they don't believe in that. They know that yeah. if they don't have, if you don't have an online presence, a solid online foundation that will build trust and build awareness about their practice, whatever they do. It's, it's they don't they don't want to have business, right?
1: The, yeah, no one will
0: buy from them because <laughs> sure. there is no. So, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I mean they've established virtual real estate as their real estate, right? I think it's the difference between like brick and mortar, where you've got like a storefront and people are coming in to visit you. The marketing and the SEO surrounding that is much more about localized SEO and really becoming a player. In your area, in your city than it is for somebody that's running an e-commerce business or, you know, is running a SaaS business and, and running a product, um, you know, like yeah. a project management software or something like that. Their strategy is much more internationalized. It's broader. So I think that's the difference is it's local yeah. versus versus global. When you think about brick and mortar, mom and pop type places that are smaller versus bigger corporations and how that, what that approach looks like.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I really think that there is, you know, as we talk, there is this uh, category of businesses who do not even know how to implement content marketing, or they don't even believe in it. And there is the other category who are, of businesses who, who are aware of the importance of content marketing, but they are even doing it wrong, as you mentioned before, or they are confused about it. And I think that, a major reason, or a huge reason, of that confusion is that, uh, you know, they are confused about whether they push content that build that brand, branded content that tells the story of the brand of their business and build that trust and brand awareness, etc., or they push content, uh, product-centered content that push the sale or that salesy, right? And I think that creates a huge confusion. Uh, for business owners. So what's your take on that? How do you think businesses should be approaching content marketing in 2021?
1: Yeah, I think the strategy depends on maturity of the company. Uh, If somebody has been creating content, if they've told their story, uh, if they have some kind of presence, they've done some type of blog content, or have had that strategy in the past, then you're working with them on reframing. And you're asking the questions, what's working well? What isn't? Why are you not reaching the goals that you feel like you should be reaching? Uh, I worked with a company recently who was driving 20, 30,000 visits a month, but their lead generation was very poor, right? And why why is that the case? Like with that many visits a month, if you're converting at 2%, you should be generating a ton of leads. And they weren't because their content really wasn't very high quality. They were just producing a lot of it. So (laughs) Sometimes it's a reframing where you're going and you're looking, okay, what's the the problem here if you are producing at a high level? And then on the other side, if you've never created before, it's about figuring out, you know, kind of the the runway. How long do you have before you really need to see results and the return on the investment from what we're going to put into content? If it's three months, it's one play. If it's a year, it's a totally different play. Uh, so I think you know, resourcing, kind of KPIs, and the timing and the runway that that company has uh, plays a big role. And so everybody's case is different; is not one size fits all. And you'll read articles like this is the magical the magic bullet content strategy that everybody should use no matter what. Well, no, that's just it's just absolutely not true because all those other situational factors play a big part in that. And that's where like a strategist can come in and say. You know, here's where you are. Here's what I recommend. Take this and run with it or do it on your own. I mean, take your pick. But I think that's where the value in, in being able to advise on strategy uh, and you know really lies. And that's why there's a business opportunity there.
0: I totally agree with you. And I think that, uh, you know, I love that you touched on it. People usually confuse uh, content marketing with uh, like a global strategy or a strategy that fits all business models, first of all, it depends, as you mentioned, uh, on the business structure, on the business model, on the sales process, how long does it take your customer to convert different KPIs, different aspects, and uh, like there is nothing, there's no strategy that fits all businesses. You need to understand that in 2021, consumer behaviors are different, industries are different, your sales process can affect that, your outreach, your prospecting, your brand position is can, can definitely affect that. So you need strategies at the end of the day. You need someone who understands their craft and to, to, to consult you and to help you grow your business efficiently. And another thing you talked about the ROI, whether it's a, a, how long does it take for each business? And another interesting fact, I think it's, it's uh, this one, I think it's really interesting on why businesses usually question the importance of having a content strategy in place is uh, whether it's, the question is whether it's going to to bring me revenue or not, and how long will it take? And and how will they be able to measure the return on investment? Because it differs between paid ads. We have KPIs, we have a dashboard, we have mm-hmm. everything in place. But when it comes to organic traffic, to organic growth, through content marketing, the, it's, first of all, it's a long-term game and long-term is is relative it depends on the, the industry but at the end of the day like it's it's really hard to measure for what that's what business owners say so what's your take on that how do you think how, how would you answer that question or how would you go around this objection or this misbelief yeah sure
1: i think it's pinning down what the KPIs are that are that really matter and and what that drive home that return. And for everybody it's a little bit different. You might work with a company that just flat out says, I need more traffic. We're not getting enough traffic to the website. We're spending money on paid ads. They're falling flat. So we just need more traffic. So there you're working the top of the funnel and the KPI you're working off of purely is visits, right? Another company <laughs> might be conversion rate. Content's doing well. It's not converting. Why not? So with them, you're reworking. You're you're making the content more, you know, buyer focused. You're making it more, uh, kind of intent centric, and working around keywords that have more to do with intent to really try to drive conversions. So in their case, the, the KPI you're working off of is conversion rate. So it's just really determining what those KPIs are that are more, most important for each individual company, and and for all of them, it's different. I think awareness in itself is kind of a hard thing to ma- to measure it's quantitative, but I think, you know, it when, and you know, it when you see it, um, I would argue that, you know, if you, when a company starts to put content out there and it's just going engaged with on social media, that's a good signal that they have some general right. awareness. And if that general awareness is not there, they're just yelling down an empty hallway and they're not getting any attention. They're not getting any engagement. Then that awareness isn't there. So that's the more qualitative part of it. And, you know, I think that people that understand that content can be a good lever understand that not everything has a hard KPI or like a hard return on investment. Some of it's kind of softer. It's uh, you know, a little bit harder to quantify, but it's it still means that, that things are happening and that there's a benefit there. But yeah, you have to pin down a couple of KPIs that everybody can work against just for the value of the relationship and to make sure everybody's pulling uh, in the same direction and is happy with how things are going.
0: I really love that and I think that I I really love that you touched on companies doing jumping on paid ads without having the foundation of or the right content strategy in place because what most companies and I especially in my industry I can relate to that so much on many levels Uh, in my industry healthcare marketing we mainly work with plastic and cosmetic surgeons and they usually Tend to jump on paid ads without having the right foundation, without having the right content on their website, the informative content to inform their audience, to 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 help them get the most out of their website and the needed information to make you know the purchase decision, right? Because this is a surgery. At the end of the day, it's a really high ticket uh, purchase, right? So they they think like they have this misbelief. That when spending ads on so on, on advertising platforms like Facebook, Google, whatsoever, it's it's guaranteed to bring results in. That's that's a really wrong mindset uh, <laughs> for every business for any business owner in any industry. The same rules applies across industries, right? But uh, it's really important to have that foundation to build that foundation because at the end of the day, as I say, people love to people won't buy from you if they don't trust you and if they don't know you and at the end of the day they will look you up they will search you on google they will search you on socials and if you don't have that foundation you will have a really hard time selling your product or service right so absolutely yeah i think there is that misconception and the
1: fact you know, these ad platforms are not charities. I think that's the other yeah. part. And that's the way that I frame this a lot of times. <laughs> you know, Facebook's there to make money. Google exists to make money. They yeah. are going to, going to take advantage of the fact that you don't necessarily mm-hmm. know all the nuances. Mm-hmm. of the Yeah, don't know the nuances of the platforms. They'll be happy to take your money. You have to have the content there for that ad spend to be impactful. Because if not you're just making donations to facebook and you're making donations to google without <laughs> yeah. getting any return back right
0: yeah i totally love that and uh, yeah i think that uh, i read the research the other day suggesting that only 16% of paid ads budgets or paid ads are correctly directed or attributed <laughs> yeah. to the brands or the businesses that they are running ads and the cra- this is a this is a crazy one but the craziest thing is that they suggest that 48% of paid ads budgets are going to waste. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> that's, that's the free money to 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 Google. That's free money to <laughs> Bing. That's free money yeah. to Facebook, Pinterest, right. Instagram, yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Businesses should really focus on creating that, that foundation. It's not guaranteed to, to throw. They just expect to throw thousands of dollars on, on advertising platforms and expect returns, or expect right. sales, expect leads. It doesn't really work that way. You need to have that foundation.
1: Yeah, and the other part of PPC with, for, with competitors is kind of predatory clicking, right? Like where if you've got a, you've got a competitor you're going against directly, they see your ads, they're gonna do everything they can to make you spend money
0: as fast as possible. Yes. Right? It's, it's, it's a pay to play so, game, it's a pay to play yeah. game. <laughs> so, uh, so Chris, I would love to touch on another thing with you. And I find this is a really interesting one to me because as a, in, I, I mainly do paid ads, to be honest with you. We don't do content creation. We don't do organic. We only do ad, paid ads to, to real. But we, we consult our clients and we help them address their content or their organic strategies. Because as I say to you, without that foundation, n- n- even if you spend millions of dollars on ads, it won't convert. Yeah. It, it won't result in, in successful paid ads, right. right? So in my opinion, content should always address the motivations or needs of consumers or, or your audience, right? So, uh, and and this should be happening in various in various or different steps of the sales process because at the end of the day, there is like every or each step of the sales process, whether it's top of funnel, mid, mid or bottom of funnel, have... Or should be approached from a different marketing angle. It's not the same as you when you market to cold audience. It's the same when you market to to warm or hot audience. It, it's right. not the same angle. It's not the same approach. You need to to get that uh, uh, figure out before re- even running ads, right? So, um, the common question business owners usually have here, and I have been asked this question a lot, is how can content marketing help businesses address their target audience throughout the sales process, throughout the different steps of the sales process. How should they go around that?
1: Yeah, I think there's two ways. And it really is the funnel, like you talked about, where if we don't have any awareness, you're starting out with awareness content. We're just trying to drive traffic to the website, get people aware of the brand and and have them start to associate the brand with their need. And that content can be lighter, it can be how-to based, it can be listicles, it can be things of that nature. And then once you've got people in the funnel, you're in that mid funnel stage, it's white papers, it's case studies, it's stuff that's more data driven, it's you know, customer success stories and testimonials where people are starting to think about, okay, I've got some interest in this company now, I'm starting to look at competition, how can I compare these companies against one another and ultimately make a decision on who I want to go with. You know, another uh, type of content I've seen work extremely well there mid-funnel are comparison pages. You know, we're literally saying, okay, here's what we do. Here's what our competitor does. We're lining you up side by side. And obviously you put your company forward as a preference with a, yes. few key, with a few key factors. And a lot of times people will pull the trigger on their decision by that comparison because they're already looking at your competitors and they want to see how you're different. And that can come through research from traffic and and paid ads can tell you a little bit about who your competitors are and how you should be addressing that. And if you're still not grabbing those people mid funnel, the bottom of funnel is buyer intent. Like in the project management world, for example, we wanted to make sure that we owned uh, articles around and keywords around project management software or best project management software or project management planning or project planning or project management, whatever it may be, because if people are searching these keywords, they're looking for a solution to a problem. So that content is very much, we're going to show you what the solution is and it's our product. So those are the three levels of the traditional funnel. But I also think the other side of this is it's very important. If you have salespeople working for you, that they have high quality enablement content. That's not always the case. I've seen and been a part of organizations where sales teams don't really have the enablement content that they need to provide to prospects uh, who are asking them questions. They don't; they're not able to, to give that uh, to really address the objections ahead of time. You know, if you can get like an FAQ or something along those lines in their prospects' hands before they ever get on that first phone call with your rep, then that rep's already has a leg up rather than trying to answer those questions on the fly during a call. So, I think it's not just about that content through the funnel, but it's also about enablement content for product and for sales and for customer service. So they're all enabled to do their jobs the best their ability and tie that in with the marketing effort. Because when those things work together, um, lead generation increases, churn decreases by default almost, because all the pieces are are working in unison.
0: I really love that. I really love your perspective and approach to that. And I think that the problem or the misconception business owners usually have, especially w- let's talk about Facebook ads. When when talking about Facebook ads, they don't have strategy. So basically they, they are promoting posts from their feed, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they do, right? And let's assume that it's totally fine while it's not. But let's assume that's uh, that's okay. But what they think is that they are firstly targeting cold audience, and when it doesn't work, they don't have any, they don't have any retargeting, they don't have any remarketing campaign. So for certain industries, and I know that PPC could get really expensive at certain in certain industries or for certain keywords, but for certain industries, we usually advise our clients to start with start with for, for start with uh, Google Ads with PPC. At that stage, you are already attracting only aware or product or problems uh, problem aware clients, or yeah. problem awares. Because at the end of the day, if they are not aware, they, they will be looking for you uh, for your solution, or they they are, they will be looking for a solution to to a problem they have that product solves, right? right? So I would usually suggest they start with PPC and then they they jump on remarketing or retargeting on Facebook, so they can balance that they they can take the most out of uh their the two platforms right and they 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 gather as much data because at the end of the day it's it's all about data and how much data you own about your uh your your target audience your your prospects and how you implement the uh, those data in in different audiences custom audiences look like audiences different aspects of uh of marketing and so my point here is you should like do not expect to generate leads or sales from cold audience, it doesn't really work that way. People do not try, people do not buy from the first, uh, from the first side, from from the first touch point, right? You need to invest in remarketing. That's like, people usually say in, in lead generation, money is in the follow-up. <laughs> Absolutely. The same way when you are running ads, money is yeah. in the, in the retargeting, it's not in the, the testing phase or in the cold audience phase. Well, there's a lot
1: being talked about now. And I completely agree with is be careful, you know, buying or like building your kingdom on rented real estate, right? Like, so you don't want to completely buy, build on Facebook or completely build on LinkedIn because yeah, these social communities are great, but I remember Friendster and, uh, you know, MySpace and they're long dead, right? So yeah,
0: these
1: these communities are not going to live forever as much as we think they may. So like, to add to what you're talking about and retargeting, you know, another tactic I've seen work really well is to actually do pay ad campaigns around awareness content, which sounds crazy. But you're just trying to get more people to the website. And then specifically on those landing pages where you're driving that awareness traffic, you make sure to collect email addresses. Because you know you can build your email list off of those people that are aware at the top of the funnel. And then because you've got them right there, you have a big opportunity to create drip campaigns and drip them content and push them lightly down the funnel from the top if you get more in. And you're collecting those email addresses you, that you can use to take back into Facebook or take back into Google and remarket to those email uh, subscribers as well. So I think that that's another good approach to... Kind of get away from being dependent on the on the platforms and you know building your own real estate
0: i really love that i really love that and the same you talked about real estate and but the same uh, the same applies to to healthcare marketing too i am a huge fan and i'm a huge advocate of email marketing at the end of the day you own your data when advertising on facebook or any social media advertising platform even though You have access to all the numbers, to all the dashboards, to all the KPIs, but you don't have that. Tomorrow Facebook will shut down. (laughs) So what? Your business, if your business is 100% dependent on Facebook, that's not a a guaranteed way or a secure way to build a long-term business. So that's what I that's what I love about email marketing because you own your data. At the end of the day, if tomorrow the whole world or the whole social media platform got shut down you still have emails right. you still have a way to communicate with your audience and another to put this in perspective i was on, i was on i have a friend who's uh who's a copywriter right and he's preparing his he's uh he's a really seasoned copywriter he worked with really big corporations in the us and he generated hundreds of millions of dollars through his uh, copywriting and i was asking him he's uh, he's about to launch this his program his educational program for copywriters um, and i was telling, uh, talking to him about how is he planning on promoting his uh his program right and he didn't even mention facebook ad. he didn't <laughs> even mention social media ad. he told me that he he has an a-list email list yeah and linkedin yeah. and eventually a ceo yeah. Right? yeah and when i tried to pitch him or try to he's basically a friend not Literally pitching him, but when I talk to him about the potential in Facebook ads, because I have a couple of uh info product businesses or solopreneurs working with me, and we have been able to generate them really amazing results through Facebook ads, landing pages, and email marketing, and in all that kind of stuff. So, we are building the sales funnels for them, we are building the, managing the campaigns, we are right, and it's generating amazing results for them and they can take advantage of the same sales process and the same uh, systems right and he told me that i do not advertise on uh, i do not promote my business on platforms that i own, i don't where where i i do not own my data like it, it's really shocked me and it's it, at the end of the day it's really true right yeah. at the end of the day he's telling He's a seasoned copywriter. He managed to, to generate hundreds of millions of dollars in, in revenue. And uh, he, has a, he has a point. But yeah, at the end of the day, you need to take advantage while it's being possible, right? But while sure. it's still possible, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But he has a point. <laughs> there's a balance.
1: Like anything else yeah. in life, there's a balance. You know, uh, moderation of one and moderation of another. I think, um, you know, kind of an equal, equal value and equal effort being placed
0: into both. Is the balance that makes sense? Yeah, really loved it. So, um, Chris, I really enjoyed talking to you today. This is uh, this is it. I really asked you all the questions that I have really interesting about content marketing, and I think that you have shared really amazing value with us today. So, um, I hope everyone listening to this or watching this, if you are on LinkedIn uh got real value from our conversation today and thank you so much for being on the show chris yeah thank you and, you know just a couple of places people
1: can get in touch if they want you just check out my website chris uh the leapfrog collective website's kicking off it's just leapfrogcollective.com and then i'm on linkedin
0: i live there pretty much so hit me up there anytime yes chris can you can when is when is your your um, your training program coming up
1: yeah, so I'm taking wait uh, waitlist uh, additions now, so people can join the waitlist now, and we're kicking off in uh, February 2021. So just yeah, visit the the homepage
0: of LeapfrogCollective.com and um, uh-huh. yeah, sign up for who's the waitlist there. Mm-hmm. Who's your uh, tell the audience who's your your pro- uh, training program for, and yeah, how, so, uh, what they what, what they should expect from
1: sure absolutely i've found that college students and emerging professionals and people in career transition really aren't doing enough for their personal brand and through content creation to really control their next steps and where they go next and, and building that career trajectory so this is 100 percent for them uh, we're going to work on personal branding we're going to work on getting over analysis paralysis and kind of being proactive versus reactive getting over imposter syndrome and speaking your voice uh, building your social media community, building out a blog, building a podcast, like all the elements that you need uh, to grow your brand and get that next great opportunity. So it's for everybody in those groups, but really for anybody that's looking to, to grow through content.
0: You heard it, folks. So if you are interested in, in any of these, if you are interested in your in building your career, building your personal brand and starting your, your career on the right foot, Chris is your man, uh, hit him up. Uh, on his LinkedIn. He's a really genuine guy and you will learn a lot of uh, value from him. Thank you so Thanks, much. Thanks,
1: uh, Enjoyed it. Bye.